Hello, I'm Jordan Tama, professor at American University and co-director of Bridging the Gap. I'm joined today by Bruce Gentleson, professor at Duke University and also a co-director of Bridging the Gap. Bruce and Jim Goldgeier have published a terrific new article, The United States is Not Entitled to Lead the World um, in Foreign Affairs. And we're going to chat about some of the issues that the article raises. Bruce, in the article, you argue that the world has changed during the 21st century in ways that call for a different US role in the world than the role the US had grown accustomed to during the 20th century. What are those changes? Yeah, thanks, Jordan. It's great to be uh, talking with you. So let's leave Donald Trump out of it for a second because they run deeper and further back. And you know, if we, even if we think about it from a historical perspective, the period in which the US was the dominant uh, country from 1945, say, into the 1990s, maybe to the eve of the Iraq War, was a very historically unique period, right? In 1945, uh, Europe and Japan were destroyed. Uh, Soviets were behind the Iron Curtain, uh, much of the world colonies, and we were the strongest. And in many ways, uh, that was very unique. And so things change. And even as a basic piece of logic, why would we think you know, the same set of international circumstances would give the United States the same role? The second point, I think, is that we tend to take a rose-colored view of that period. Uh, we did win the Cold War. Nuclear war was avoided. The Soviet Union would dissolve. But if we think about all of the policies that failed during that period, from American policies in the third world to the way some of the key institutions, uh, like the economic institutions, were beginning to crumble. Uh, the WTO uh, hadn't achieved an agreement in a long time. The IMF was controversial. And so the world was really changing. And I think as we think about the U.S. role, we have to make it fit another set of historical circumstances uh, and add to it the rise of China uh, and other kind of conflicts. It kind of opens up the question rather than assuming what might have worked in period A would work in period B. Yeah. And one of the things your article made me think about is whether, um, given these changes in the world, the U.S. should not um, aspire to be the dominant leader or the driver of um, international developments on, on, on any issues, or whether it might make sense for the U.S. to still be playing a leadership role on, on certain issues, but not across the board. Where, and there being other issues where, uh, say, the European Union or Japan or China or other actors are playing the lead role. In other words, different countries um, assert more leadership on different issues, depending on their particular interests, particular stakes, particular um, capacities. And um, the other thing I was thinking about in reading the article that I'd love to get your thoughts on is um, whether adopting a less forceful leadership style, more um, collaborative leadership style might create a, a power vacuum that um, countries like China or Russia, illiberal governments might fill. Um, or, you know, on the other hand, do you, do you think this um, more collaborative leadership style will, will weaken the um, ability of a China, say, to um, assert itself in a way that would be contrary to liberal values. Yeah, I think the U.S. Is, will still be the single most powerful country and will play a leadership role probably more often than others. Uh, but there are many issues in which, you know, we may not bring to the table on our own or even in the number one position, you know, all of the things that are necessary. I mean, you look even in the 1990s, the Clinton era, you know, we didn't play any role in the landmine treaty. Uh, you know, we didn't play any role in uh, the International Criminal Court, a lot of the multilateral aspects. 
And I don't worry so much about the power vacuum in China and Russia as if it's a great, I don't think the great power competition captures it because the, to me, the dominant fact of today's world is that very few countries in the world want to sign up with one team or the other. They want relations with, with really all the major powers. And so it's, it's less that than figuring out how to, how to play this role in a world in which the geopolitics are sort of a pluralization of diplomacy. But let me throw this back to you because, you know, well, that might have some strategic sense, at least I think. How do you think that plays in American politics? How do you sort of convey that to Congress and to the American people? Yeah, I mean, Americans are certainly used to the notion of America being the world leader. Um, and the notion of American leadership always plays well in terms of uh, American politics. And we've had uh, so many presidents talk about American exceptionalism. Um, even, but at the same time, um, public opinion surveys show that most Americans um, don't think the United States um, needs to be the dominant um, country, and that we should pursue a collaborative leadership role um, internationally. So I think most Americans get the idea that the U.S. can't do everything itself. Um, burden sharing is um, appealing to Americans, so that we're not paying the costs of everything. Um, and most Americans recognize we just don't have the capacity to address um, all international problems ourselves. So I think um, with kind of smart um, messaging from political leaders, Americans um, can certainly get this idea. Um, last, I wanted to just turn back to you and, and ask you how, how this might play out with regard to COVID right now. We just have a little time left, but kind of briefly, um, how should the U.S. be trying to deal with COVID from the leadership model that you described? Uh, it's the most crucial issue. Uh, I think it's a higher priority than China uh, for all the people it's killed. And I think it's a great opportunity for us to play a new role after Donald Trump. 